Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Steele, and this is the place where I speak about everything from personal growth, social justice, queer issues, and how to ADD, how to add to your life. Assess, dream, and design your life to live out the best of who you are and accomplish your goals and dreams. Now today I'm going to talk about a gay topic, and I haven't done that in quite some time because I've been really focused on a number of personal development, personal growth, and productivity strategies uh, as I've been working on my ADD Assess, Dream, and Design Your Life group coaching program. But I'm part of a, I guess you could call it an educational group Um that's being run by Raymond Rigoglioso, who published the book Gay Men and the New Way Forward, and his uh, the group title is Gay Men of Wisdom. So yes, it's for gay men, and what we are talking about, and there are 10 of us in total, we meet once a week, um, it's about a five-month program, 14, 15 sessions in total, Well, let me just read you from the back cover flap of the book. From a perspective seldom considered in mainstream gay or straight culture, Raymond L. Rigoglioso, founder of Gay Men of Wisdom, takes a fresh and open-hearted look at critical roles that gay men play in the world. Organized around 14 distinct gay male gifts, Gay Men in the New Way Forward shows how gay men have emerged from a history dominated by victimization to become teachers for humanity. It proposes that when we understand how we contribute to the health and vitality of society, LGBT people can make an entirely new case for equality and begin an important new era in our movement. Earlier this year, I was considering whether I was going to do work specifically for and with gay men and decided that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Rather, even with my publication, Think Queerly on Medium, it's always been a combination for me of the personal development combination with social justice, with looking at the world through my specific uh, upbringing as a gay man, uh, as someone who thinks queerly, and helping people by using these gifts and not quite ever having been able to put my finger on, you know, what makes me different as a gay man. And I knew there were certain qualities, of course, but that's what we're talking about in this course. And last night was um, a discussion about models of forgiveness. And so Ray was leading the group by saying, he wasn't quite sure if this was a specific gift he thought should be something that gay men have. And not just forgiveness for forgiveness sake, but rather specifically forgiveness in the sense of forgiving homophobia. And that's the the title of the episode today is Forgiveness of Homophobia, a Gay Male Gift. And he raised a few issues without giving too much away so that we could have a deeper conversation as to, you know, yeah, could we presume that, you know, gay men have this, this, this character, this gift, this ability to be more forgiving and at least forgiving in the sense of for these, let's call them transgressions of uh, people not accepting us for who we are as out and self-accepting gay men. So as the... F- 
conversation went along, we all got quite deep into it, and it became really fascinating to me. And then I sort of hit an epiphany of my own. And so I'm going to talk about that as as I go through the episode today. But what I would like to do is read just a few paragraphs from chapter nine, Models of Forgiveness from um, Gay Men and the New Way Forward, because it's really going to preface what I have to talk about. And this could be a longer podcast. So definitely settle in and listen for insight, even if you're not gay or somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, this is important because what I'm talking about here with respect to forgiveness, even in general, is a way of improving society, ourselves as human beings. And right now in this day and age with so much anger and aggression and neo-fascism and right-wing thinking and ideologies and oppression, we need to understand the value of what forgiveness can bring and all of its sort of related characteristics like compassion and understanding and self-acceptance if we are going to get ourselves out of sort of the spiral that uh, we're currently in in this world. From chapter 9. For a group that is as hated as we are, gay men have ample opportunities to practice one of Christianity's most treasured virtues, forgiveness. And now I'm just talking here. The the book isn't specifically Catholic or Christian. It's just the way that uh, Ray opens up this paragraph. So going back to the text. Most of us grow up in families and communities that, to a greater or lesser degree, harm us. We are fed a pernicious lie. We endure immense pain until we determine for ourselves that those who claim to act in our best interest have been misguided at best, and vicious at worst. Gay men bear the brunt of homophobic attacks, a distinct vitriol fueled by men's fear of the feminine. We face attacks, both physical and otherwise, due to our free sexual expression and because of AIDS. Most of us have experienced rejection from the people with whom we should feel safest and most nurtured our families and friends, and from communities and religious institutions where we should feel most affirmed. For many gay men, rejection can continue long after we come out. Some of us never fully come out because of intense homophobia in our families and communities. This is particularly common among African Americans and in many Latino cultures, and for those who come from staunchy conservative religious backgrounds. Despite the hurt, the rejection, the hurdles, and the pain, so many gay men do come out. We teach love and acceptance to our families, difficult lessons that most people resist. Resist, sorry. And in the end, many gay men forgive the people who hurt them most deeply. We might not be perfect here. We may forgive some while withholding forgiveness from others. We may retain anger at some of the institutions that have excluded and marginalized us. But overall, gay men tend to forgive. Our predisposition to want to forgive and reconcile is central to the character of the tribe. Gay men could feel fully justified to live in rage against those who have harmed us. Some gay men choose this path. Most do not. Considering what we endure... Gay men's propensity to forgive is nothing short of remarkable. It speaks to the healing role we play in the world. We don't forget, for forgiveness is not about forgetting, but about coming to peace with what happened. We acknowledge past hurts as well as the inherent humanity of the persons who harmed us. 
we extend love to those who hurt us. So that's the section that I want to read, and that went on a little long. It's very important because that frames what I'll be talking about for the rest of the podcast. And let's start with some definitions. So what is forgiveness in general? And maybe just using a dictionary definition to stop feeling anger or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaws, or a mistake, to no longer wish to punish for an offense, flaw, mistake, to pardon someone. And that can also mean in the sense of like, oh, ex- um, oh, please forgive me. I forgot to hold the door open for you if you were being chivalrous. And to cancel in the sense of like a debt. Now, the etymology doesn't go that far, but it's interesting. It goes into the old English, um, forgiven, and that means to completely give, uh, to give, grant, allow, to remit, to pardon, to give up. So there's sort of like a giving over, a sense of a, a giving over of oneself or something that has belonged to you. And I think in the deepest sense of forgiveness, in the sense of past hurt, you're giving over or giving up. You're letting go of that past offense, that past hurt. And if you've ever really reconciled deeply with someone for something they have said or have done to you, and conversely, if you've ever deeply reconciled with someone whom you hurt terribly, and you had that conversation and you made amends, and maybe there were tears um, or whatever emotions that were released, it's like a closet of a hoarder. You have been stuffing in feelings of shame and guilt and anger and resentment and remorse and regret and whatever else. Such harmful, physically, emotionally harmful emotions. And then bam, the dam bursts loose, the door busts open, and all of that emotional weight is let go of. But here we're talking about how do we define forgiveness as gay men with respect to homophobia? And like, first of all, why should we forgive homophobia? And what forms of homophobia do we forgive? And I'm only going to be speaking for myself here and taking some of the lessons learned from the session last night. So what we did was look at sort of a spectrum of homophobic expression. And we looked at homophobia as it shows up sort of on the individual familial level, and then homophobia as it shows up within society. And then we further categorized each each of those areas by sort of like lesser, low-level homophobia and and greater for, for very harmful homophobia, whether that be deeply wounding emotionally or physically. And, you know, for myself... You know, I've received teasing and gossip and jokes and questions about, like, when are you going to get married? And then um, people looking at me if I was dressing in any way that could be identified as gay or not age appropriate. And that somehow set me apart as being gay. Um, Situations when I was a kid um, and in high school, not being picked for the sports team, being picked last, being picked on in a soft sense. And 
in, in, in the larger sense, verbal abuse, people yelling at me, you faggot, even a relationship with um, my sister who's a born-again Christian who hasn't necessarily said anything harmful to me, but I just don't have any contact with her because of the, the awareness of the potential hurt I could feel um, for being judged that deeply by someone from my family. And a personal experience in high school, whenever it rained and we had to stay indoors, um, or in the winter when the gym teacher had no desire to come up with something for us to do, we'd play murder ball. And I was always one of the last kids in the ring. And murder ball, man, that was fucking vicious. I was little, I was skinny, uh, but I could sort of like dart and move fast. And I guess because I was always looking around to see who might be looking at me, my eyes were sharply attuned to what was happening in my periphery. You know, I just sort of realized that now that's kind of a freaky awareness that my uh, visual acuity might have been heightened because I was in the closet at the time. But people would pick me off with the ball. They'd try and hit that ball as fucking hard against my face as they could. No one else was picked off like that. Yeah, the ball was thrown to hit kids maybe on the butt or the leg, but people tried to hit my chest and face when I was near the last kid in the ring. When it comes to forgiving, I don't forgive that behavior because that behavior is still aggressive and hurtful and violent. And it's supported by a group of people and groupthink. And it's like, oh, that's funny. Let's pick off the faggot in the ring. That's an unforgivable group dynamic behavior, at least on the social level. What people believe to be negative characteristics of gay men, like, oh, they're all sluts or they're promiscuous, they're having more sex than I am, or... um, You know, they've all got AIDS, they're going to make us sick, they're going to infect our blood supply. And that just requires some waking up on on people's behalf and conversations. And then the worst forms, I find, of homophobia are religious, political, and ideological. And I'm going to come back to that in in just a moment. Because I want to first start with, what are the origins of forgiveness for homophobia as a distinct gay male gift. And that was what really got me thinking in the Gay Men of Wisdom course last night. From my own personal experience and many other gay men, you grow up in the closet for however long. Let's just say you come out at 18 years to 20 years old, on average. Let's just pretend. And I'm 52, okay? So I would have been coming into my identity in the 70s and the very early 80s. I came out officially in 1984 after high school ended to my closest high school friends. I felt I finally had the safety because I was no longer in high school. So if everyone said, hey, you faggot, get out of here, don't ever talk to me again, I was no longer in high school. I wouldn't have to deal with it. I could make new friends. So feel that pressure for a moment. Because this leads into the shame and the guilt and the attempts at self-suppression of one's identity or sexual desires. All that held within. That's why it's called the closet. Because from the inside of the closet, you are pulling that handle so fucking in, so fucking hard in towards yourself to not let anyone else in and see the truth of who you are. And your entire childhood and adolescence, at least in my case, I didn't date. You know, at most I dated a woman for two weeks. I never had sex with her. 
the degree of self-hatred that you have about yourself. And I grew up Catholic. I was taught to be Catholic. I was indoctrinated from day one. So there's this aspect of prayer and asking God for forgiveness. Oh, please don't make me gay. Please don't let me turn out this way. Please somehow fix me. I'm a bad person. It says it says it's not right in the Bible. The church and people and society say that I'm sick. When you finally come out, and to whatever degree you suffered being in the closet, depending on how your family treated you and where you grew up and what kind of environment you grew in and how religious you were, your family was, and what country you grew up in. Imagine finally discovering ways either on your own or in therapy or in going to gay group organizations and being able to finally talk about it or going out to clubs and other places and seeing that there are other happy, thriving, self-accepting gay men. How long that takes to deal with that accepting of yourself and letting go of gay shame. I've talked about this in a very early episode. And to let go of all that, you have to forgive yourself. Not because you are a bad person as a gay man, but you have to forgive yourself for having not known any better than to accept what you were told as a child from family or society that directly or indirectly, who you are is not right. And so you have no other means as a child to be able to conceptualize yourself as somehow right, be that in God's image or in a non-religious sort of, I'm okay. Who I am and what I'm experiencing is me and everyone else around accepts and allows me to be who I want to be. No, that was not the case for me, and certainly not the case for most gay men that I know growing up. This learning to forgive ourselves for having hurt ourselves, not of our own volition, but because of what we were learned to believe, what we were learned, what we were taught to believe, what we learned to believe from outside forces, I think going through that process is the origin that sets gay men up to be more forgiving in general. Letting go of the shame, the history of everything that we felt is always going to be there in the background. And that's been the interesting thing for me um, in this Gay Men of Wisdom program is the amount of um, feeling, historical feeling that's 20, 30, 40 years old that shows up in my body and starts like making me breathe shallow because I'm remembering the discomfort of like almost 20 years of upbringing believing that there was something wrong with me. My entire formative years, I believed there was something intrinsically wrong with me. How does that set you up as a human being going forward? When you suffer like that, what's the cost? What's the toll? The positive of that, the evolutionary outcome of that at its best is what we as gay men learn about who we are and the gifts that we can bring to society from what we have suffered. So instead of remaining in suffering, we can turn that around and say, 
Suffering has provided lessons when I look back at what I have learned and what I've had to endure. And I could remain resentful for my entire life, but what's the point of that? That's only going to make me sick psychologically and emotionally. Instead, I can choose to be a change for the better. And it also does not mean that by forgiving homophobia, I am condoning people's behavior. Far from it. There's a big difference between having a forgiving and open attitude than a judgmental, angry, and defensive posture. Love and forgiveness is a far more persuasive approach to changing people's minds and behaviors who are homophobic. It might not always work, and it might not work in the first instance. And anger and aggression absolutely have their place. They had their place in history with ACT UP and Queer Nation. But I'm thinking today, in this day and age, with all of the anger and the hatred and the frustration... The demonstration of love, compassion, understanding, and forgiveness are going to go a very long way if directed in such a way and with more people, more groups of people, more people who have this ability and talent to express it in order to affect a change in how people and therefore groups of people think about what's right and wrong and morally good and bad and start thinking differently outside of the status quo. And like I said, with forgiveness, we do not condone homophobia. Instead, we seek to confront homophobia with compassion and dialogue. That's one possible approach. And when we come from that place, it demonstrates to those who might not understand or accept us, the level of self-worth that we have for ourselves. Now, I just said something really important there. From those who might not understand or accept us. That is the spectrum of homophobia. It could just be that somebody simply doesn't understand what it means to be a gay man or a lesbian or transgender. And when they are open-minded enough to have a dialogue and to seek to first understand... These are the people we need to work with because these are the people who will increase their understanding and then can continue to help us as gay men and LGBTQ people to evolve as part of the entire society at large. Those who do not accept us are most likely brainwashed by an ideology of some form. And that could be religious or political. And I find that very, very difficult to forgive. I understand how I get angry very quickly at that level of lack of acceptance. Because as far as I'm concerned, in everything I know, and everything I've read, and everything I've studied, I know that there is no factual evidence, no factual evidence that supports my existence as somehow being wrong or somehow immoral. You know, take the Catholic Church or many other religions that make secular law. Secular law is something that a group of people, in this case men, have decided is law, but is not in the original texts, in this case the Bible. And just because someone says 
this situation is wrong, or gay men are wrong, or gay men need to repent. They are doing it to empower their own greed, or in some way to control their fear. But those actions, those laws, do not make it so. I sometimes find myself in society almost as if I have a glass wall up in front of me, and I'm not not rose-colored glasses, because rose-colored glasses are a way of looking at the world and making things all rosy, right? Making things look prettier than they are, and not really wanting or willing to see the truth. And that's another problem here with homophobia, is people don't want to see the truth behind homophobia, that in many cases, homophobia in men is fear of the feminine, Homophobia is a phobia, a fear of something that you are not. But just because someone is different than you doesn't make it wrong. Just because two men are in a room and one man is a cis male who likes women on a sexual and relationship level and the other man is a cis man who likes men does not mean that the two should ever combine sexually does not mean that the straight man is under threat. And so one of the challenges of homophobia is that many straight men or society and the way it teaches masculinity and manhood is that there is somehow a threat to manhood. And that's interesting because where does that threat come from? Why does manhood feel threatened by the feminine? Is there a fear that feminine power, that female characteristics, for lack of a better word, let's not get into whether male or female characteristics are correct or incorrect. Is there a fear that somehow women have more power in different ways than men do? I don't know. Definitely topic for another conversation. But going back to my glass wall, how I approached the world with respect to forgiveness or no forgiveness with certain types of homophobia is that because it's a glass wall or glass lenses through which I look at the world, of course other people can see me. But it's like a field of consciousness for me, an extra layer, a gay field of consciousness that I have because I'm a gay man. And I use that to protect myself in the sense of what battles am I going to deal with? What kinds of homophobia am I going to confront? Which will I let just sort of bounce off the glass? I see them, they're there, but I'm not letting them pass that glass wall because they're just not worth my time or because they're so confronting and so uncomfortable that I have to work within my own gift and understanding of forgiveness of homophobia at certain levels and work to change people's minds in the areas in which I can change and help people evolve and think differently. So I would invite you to think about this more deeply for yourself, whether you are gay or not, what forgiveness means to you, how forgiveness lets go of the burden of past guilt and shame and negative emotions and how when you forgive someone else 
And whether that be someone who has passed away, maybe it's a parent or a friend and they hurt you in the past and how much better that makes you feel, or whether you do this in writing to explain and then meet with that person and and let go. Is there someone that you need to forgive that would let go of a burden that would make your life better? You see, as a gay man, if I could not forgive some forms of homophobia and in the sense of not condoning, but knowing that I have to lead by being an out, self-accepting gay man so that other people can see I have self-worth and that's a way of leading by example so that other people will recognize that I will not be brought down by homophobia. That is a very different kind of energy from which to come from and from which to live my life than being continuously resentful. And I know because I lived being angry and resentful for a, for a long time, many years ago. And kind of a PS here that I just thought of. I sometimes wonder within groups of gay men when a gay man hurts another gay man and why, at least in my own experience, some relationships I've had or friends I've had and someone felt wronged by me and vice versa, how bitter, how resentful, how angry I was or that person was towards me that seemed off the mark, that seemed off the charts. When we as gay men together hurt one of our own, it's like a violation greater than being hurt by a homophobic attack, be that verbally or physically, by someone who is not gay. Because we want to feel safe and loved and understood within our own communities. And that's why I've kept this podcast to gay men, because LGBTQ is a broad spectrum, and each of us within the, those individual identities has different needs and different challenges, but we can relate. (sighs) That was a really important episode for me to talk about, and I hope that you found value in this and will take some time to reflect today on what forgiveness means, and if not what you need to forgive in yourself as a way to better understand who you are and to evolve. Who do you need to forgive so that you can let go of a past transgression that really doesn't need to exist as part of your makeup for who you are today? As always, thank you for listening and live out the best of who you are and be proud. Very quickly, I would love to invite you to my upcoming webinar, How to Create a Plan to Accomplish Your Goals and Dreams in Three Years That Excites the Fuck Out of You in Eight Simple Systematic Steps. That's going to be held on Wednesday, November the 7th at 10 a.m. 2018. And I will be talking about a number of secrets, the challenges that people face when they are setting goals and dealing with different types of personal productivity. 
like how to purge awful habits and routines that are holding you back from accomplishing your dreams, how to link multiple productivity strategies in a unique sequence that will increase your effectiveness tenfold, and how to reverse engineer your three-year dream and create value-based goals unique to you. Now, the link is on the episode webpage so that you can sign up, and I hope to see you there. Until next time.